Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me Ephesians chapter 3 today. Ephesians chapter 3. This is that unique uh, message in between Christmas and New Year's and uh, always kind of a, an interesting time to preach as a pastor. And I thought, okay, what, what do I preach about? Maybe today I preach about success or I preach about planning or I preach about goal setting. How do you, how do you make the most out of 2019? Really felt like the Lord directed us not just to this passage of scripture, but to something that's going to be kind of unique today. Um, today we're going to kind of model the idea of how you pray through scripture so I would really encourage you, whether you have it in a print or a digital form, you're going to want Ephesians chapter 3 in front of you today. We'll, we'll have it on the screens, but we're going to be really just walking through, digging into these verses, verses 14 through 21. And I want to model for you today kind of something that for some of you might be a whole different dimension to the way that you look at Scripture, not just to read it, but to interact with it and to kind of allow Scripture to be alive in your life as we look through this passage of Scripture today, kind of a new dimension maybe to your Bible reading, and as we actively not just read the Scriptures, but we're going to use them then to pray through these Scriptures today. So let's read these verses, and, uh, and then we'll kind of unpack the context from there. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, starts like this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This, this is a prayer that the apostle Paul prayed for a church that he started and a church that he loved in a city called Ephesus. He spent more time in Ephesus, about three years, than he did any other of the churches that he started. He knew these people. He loved these people. Now he's writing a letter to them. Twice in this letter, he stops and he prays for them. He, he says a prayer, once in chapter one, and then this prayer that we see here in chapter three. And we're going to walk through this prayer today. And what we're going to do, and this, this is helpful, it, it, we're going to make this prayer our own. We know we're praying the will of God when we pray the word of God, and so we're going to take time today and pray through this scripture. I'm going to challenge you to make this very personal today, to pray this for yourself, to pray this for your family, to pray this for 2019. Why, why this passage of scripture? Next week, we're going to jump back into the book of Acts. Do you remember seven, eight years ago when we started the book of Acts? Do you remember this? We're going to jump back into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19, and we're going to spend several weeks talking about Paul's experience with the church in Ephesus. And we're going to call this series of messages Essentials. And here's the reason why. We're going to look at some things that sometimes we, we might tend to think that they're optional for us in the Christian life. But these are things that are essential for us. If we're going to live a life that is effective for God, if we're going to live a life that's meaningful, if we're going to live a life of victory, we're going to look at some essential things 
And in particular, we're going to look at how Paul teaches these things to the church in Ephesus and his experience. So that's why the prayer that we're looking at here today is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. And I want to model this for you today because I don't want you to just read the Bible and read it, think it's knowledge, close the book, and then be done. I want you to be able to read God's word, and when you read it for yourself, to interact with it. And a key part of that is to take those scriptures, and we're going to do this today kind of piece by piece, phrase by phrase, and think about how does this apply to my life, and then, by prayer, put this before God so that he can lead us in these things and in these places in our lives. So let's jump into this passage of scripture. It's, it's going to be a little bit different. If you're a guest with us today, a lot of times um, you sit and I talk forever. Today, it's going to be a little bit more interactive in what we're going to do. So jump back in. Verse 14, Ephesians chapter 3, it says this, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Interesting start for Paul there. He says, for this reason, which tells us then that there's something else that he said earlier that causes him to pray in this way. You can go all the way back to chapter 2 and see what he says about how Christ has changed us and see what he says about the things that Jesus has done for us. And then he brings it to this point in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, just before he prays. So just before he says, for this reason, for what reason are we praying? Look at verse 12 of Ephesians 3. He says, in him, that's Jesus Christ, in Christ and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. But that, that's a big deal, that we can do that. Because of Jesus, we can come to God with freedom and confidence. If, if you think about that, it'll change the way that you think about prayer. Because of Jesus, we can come to God with freedom and confidence. That freedom has this idea of boldness, that I don't have to be afraid, that I'm free to come before God and I'm free to make my requests known to him because he's my father. He's not my boss. He's not a manipulator. He's not a dictator. He's somebody that has my best interests in mind. He cares about me. He loves me like a perfect heavenly father. And as a result of that, I have the freedom to come to him boldly with my needs. And I have confidence to come to him as well because I know that he not only hears what I say, he not only knows what I need, but he's able to answer those prayers. Here's why this is a big deal. Because Paul's writing to a group of people when he writes to this church in Ephesus, and we'll, we'll, over the course of the next few weeks, unpack more of the history, why this is such an important city for us as we look at Scripture, especially as we live today. But he's writing to a group of people who are in culturally a very challenging place. And because of that, they could be tempted to give up. Paul's saying to them, look, do not lose heart. I know that things are tough in your life. I know that there are circumstances that are difficult. I know that you're in a difficult spot. For some of you, you are very ready to say good riddance to 2018. For others of you, you're stoked about 2019. You're ready for what's ahead. Wherever it is, do not lose heart. We, we talked about this uh, last week in our Christmas at Calvary services on Christmas Eve. God is with you in the middle of your mess. And if you are looking at the next year with some trepidation, if you're looking at it with some uncertainty, know this, that right in the middle of where you are, Jesus came to be Emmanuel. Remember this, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is right there with you in the middle of your mess. And so Paul says here in this passage, he says, for this reason... 
because I know that when I pray, God hears me so I can come to him with freedom, with boldness, with confidence. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father. And when we think of praying, we often think of kneeling. That's kind of our standard Christian posture for prayer. For the Jewish people, so Paul's normal interaction 2,000 years ago, prayer would have been primarily done while standing. And there's these special instances, and you see it in multiple places in the Old Testament, where when someone kneels to pray, it usually has this picture of some intensity. Like there's something more to it. There's submission. There's respect. There's honor. There's an intensity. There's a humility that comes with this. So Paul challenges us in this prayer that prayer should be an act of humble intensity, that we come to God with this, with this humility to know who he is, but this intensity that we boldly, with freedom, with confidence, we come to him and we ask him for what it is that we desire from him. I, I say this about it being an act of humble intensity because I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I pray, I can, I can just kind of mail it in, especially like I'm in church. Sometimes I pray without thinking about it. I don't know about you, but I have a, a pretty standard prayer whenever I pray for my meals. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like every time we pray for a meal, kind of the same thing just kind of comes out of my mouth. And there's times when I pray and put something in my mouth and I go, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> like I just know that that's the prayer I always pray. It's good that we stop and give thanks, but it might not be so good that there's times when I pray and I have no idea what I said. Today, when we take some time to pray, it could be easy for you to check out. I would challenge you not to do that, but make this a moment where with humility and intensity, you come before God. And not just today, but this may be a prayer that you, you pray all week long, maybe even all year long, that you make this scripture a part of what God is doing in your life for the year ahead, and that you do it with some intensity, because prayer not only stirs God to act on our behalf, but one of the great blessings of prayer is that it changes me. It's not so much that my prayer moves God, but that my prayer allows God to move me. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best thing that happens. Verse 15, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul says, I pray to God, I, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That's, that's a good word. Because it tells us that our identity is in him, that our authority is in him, that there's no power in heaven or on earth that's greater than him. And with that in mind, then Paul jumps to verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, now he's getting right down to the heart of what we're praying for. And he starts by saying, I pray that out of his glorious riches. Like this, this is a big deal to Paul when he writes to this church in Ephesus. Five times he makes a statement about God's riches in this book. Because he wants these people to know in a city that's very concerned about power and wealth that God has great riches, that he has a great inheritance for us. And here's what he wants them to see, that God's riches have no limits. God's riches have no limits. My riches do. I want to say this out loud for my children to hear. My riches have limits. <laughs> like I'm reminded of this at Christmas in particular. Here's why. 
Because I love the opportunity to give at Christmas time. Like, honestly, it's just fun for me to see somebody take something that I was able to give to them, and it's something that they need or something that they want or something they didn't even realize that they wanted, and when they get it, they're thrilled. And to know that you did something, you gave something to them that blessed them in some way, that's a cool thing to do. Right, parents? Am I right? To the point that I think there's times at Christmas that I probably give maybe even more than is necessary. But I, I like to do that. There's, there's a thrill that comes along with that. The problem is that I still have limits. There's only so far I can give. There may be other things that are wanted, maybe even needed, that I wish I could give to that point, but I don't because I still have to pay the bills, right? <laughs> and I go back and I look at my bank account after Christmas and I can tell that I gave. Anybody else? You feeling that? Like I can go back and look and go, oh, I had that. <laughs> Now they have that <laughs> because I gave. I'm not mad, but it just reminds me my riches have a limit. God's do not. When he gives to you, he's not limited in what he can give because he has no limit. And after he gives, he doesn't go back and look at the first bank of heaven's account that he has and says, oh, I'm a little low. I better save for a while. He has it. So in the place where you're at, when you need God to respond in some way in your life, when there's something you need from him, be reminded of this, and this becomes really important when we talk about the next part of this prayer, that God's riches have no limits. So now we start talking about what Paul actually begins to pray for. He set the stage. He says, look, the reason I pray is because I can come to God with confidence. I can come to him with boldness, and I can know that he is the God of everything. So with humble intensity, I come to the one who has no limits on his riches, and this is what I pray. He says, I pray that God would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. It says, I pray that God would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The city of Ephesus, we'll, we'll unpack this a little bit more next week, but it was a place where people cared about power. They didn't care how they got it. They just wanted to have it. Some of it was political power. Some of it was personal power, wealth and, and influence. A lot of it was spiritual power. There were a lot of gods. There were a lot of temples. There was a lot of mythology. There was a lot of false religions. There was a lot of evil spirits at work in that place. And as a result, people felt like that if they did the right things, if they responded in the right ways, if they were manipulative in just the right means, then they could have the power that they wanted. And what Paul's saying here to them is, look, if you need to be strengthened with power, that doesn't come from all the sources that you've been looking to. It comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, this power that you need is God's Holy Spirit at work. Not manipulation, but relationship. It's not a God you try to use. It's a God who loves you and a God who cares about you and a God who wants to know you. This is why I'm, I'm pretty excited about the series we're going to start next week, this Essentials series. We're going to talk about some things, and especially about the way that the Holy Spirit works in our life, that for some of us, it could be a game changer for us. These are things that aren't optional. When we start talking about the way that the Holy Spirit produces 
fruit in our life, when we start talking about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us to use, when we start talking about how do you respond when you come up against evil forces in your life, when we start talking about these things, these aren't optional things. These are essential things if we want to live a life of victory spiritually and personally in our lives. And oftentimes we talk about these things, but then we don't have a chance to experience them. We're going we're to take two Wednesday nights. I think it's, I think it's January 9th. And then February 6th, I think, is that first Wednesday in February. We're going to take those two Wednesdays and take some time not just to talk about those things, but to pray together and to pray with one another and to experience some of those moments where the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. And some of you have said, well, I've been to some of those services where people say we experience the Holy Spirit, and they're weird. We're going to try to not be weird because I don't think the Holy Spirit is weird. I think the Holy Spirit's supernatural, and I think he works in our lives but he doesn't do it to weird us out. He does it to wow us. He does it to empower us. And it says that he wants to empower us in our inner being. That's the core of who you are. That that's your heart. That the spirit wants to give you that empowerment literally from the inside out in your life. So look, are you starting something new in 2018? Or you say, man, or uh, remember 2018? That's not what I'm talking about here. <laughs> or you starting something new in 2019? Apparently that was prophetic. Are you starting something new in 2019? Then God can empower you. Or are you leaving something behind in 18? Like, is there a place where there's an emptiness or a loss? And somehow you sense that you need God to come alongside of you. He can do it when we learn to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we need to think a little bit more childlike, maybe a little bit like this six-year-old that I heard about this week. He's a first grader. He was doing his homework. His mom was in the living room, and he was sitting at the kitchen table, and all of a sudden, as he was doing his homework, she hears him call out, Alexa, what's five minus three? <laughs> she comes rushing in there as Alexa tells him that five minus three is... That wasn't convincing, but thanks, yeah. And he gets the answer, and he writes it down. And she, there's a video online. She just immediately goes, what are you doing, kind of thing. And he looks up, and he goes, Alexa, thank you for helping me with my homework, right? <laughs> it's wrong. She says, this kid is good at math, that it's his favorite subject. For some reason, he just got lazy. If you have Alexa help you with your homework, that's lazy. If you have the Holy Spirit help you in, to bring you strength, that's God's will. And when you call out to him, when you look to him, we've learned to rely on our digital assistants. What if we would learn to rely on our divine assistant? The Holy Spirit has come to be our counselor. He's come to be our comforter. He's come to be our helper. He's come to be the one that comes alongside of us and strengthens us. So as you look at the year ahead and think about what it is that you're facing, what if you were to pray and say, Holy Spirit, I need you? See, the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to live with power every day. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength to live with his power every day. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some times in Paul's prayer and stop and make it our prayer. So this is a little bit different. It's a little bit interactive. For the next few moments, there, there may be some times where you're up and down a little bit. And after Christmas Day and all the cookies, that's not going to hurt any of us to kind of be up and down a little bit because we're going to pray through these things a little bit. For some of you, you might stand every time. For some of it, as we pray through these things, you might be praying for the same need every time. As we think about this, you might want to stand for someone else because God's uh, word says to us right here that Paul's praying for someone else. That's okay. You might see someone pray near you 
and you feel led to pray with them in that moment, that's okay for you to step over and maybe put a hand on their shoulder or whatever. Just don't be weird. We already cleared that up, right? <laughs> it's not weird. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray right now and begin. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to strengthen you for the year ahead. We're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen you for the year ahead. So here's, here's my simple question. If, if you know that as you think about 2019 and you say, Holy Spirit, I need you to strengthen me for the year ahead, would you stand just, just right where you are? Do that right now. Just, just stand. You say, Holy Spirit, I know. I'm, I'm looking ahead. I'm thinking of 2019. I need you to strengthen me for the year ahead. We're going to pray. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you just put your hand in a posture to receive? If you're open to this, just say, God, I know. I need your strength. It's not my own. And I'll lead us. Father, we, we come to you. And we're open to say, God, that we realize that we can't do this on our own. But your word promises that your Holy Spirit will come and strengthen us with power. And so, Lord, we pray today that you would bring strength. You, you know the needs that are in our hearts. God, you know the things that are ahead, some of which brings some, some fear to us, some of which brings excitement. Lord, there's things that we dread, and then for some of us, there's great opportunity that we just we look forward to, but we know that no matter where we sit right now, what we need is your strength for this year ahead. And so we open ourselves up. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us by your power? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you, you can be seated if you would, please. And let's, let's jump back to this text, right? We're gonna model what it's like to pray through scripture. So first Paul says, I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you with his power. And then he says this. this, this intrigues me. Then he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Here's the interesting part. He's, he's writing to his friends, He's writing to people who are in a church that he started. So he's not talking here about salvation. He's not saying, hey, I hope you'll get saved. He's saying, hey, I hope you'll grow in your faith. I hope you'll develop in your spiritual life. I hope you'll get to know Jesus more. That word that he uses there is really significant when he says that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. To dwell is more than just presence. It's more than just simple residency. When you dwell somewhere, you're completely at home. Look, if you, if you think about this, you can say that you've been to my house, but I determine how far into my house you get, right? Somebody says, you ever been to, you ever been to Chad's house? You'd be like, yeah, I, I was at Chad's house. I was in his driveway, right? You could say that, but you haven't really been to my house. Like, there are some people that if they come to my house... They'll get to the porch, but that's as far as they'll ever get. Can I get an amen? Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? There's the salespeople that come, and you're like, hey, good, glad you're here. Go away. Don't come back, right? You have that, you have that experience. But can they say they've been to my house? Yeah, they've been to my house, but they've only been to the porch. And then there may be like a formal entertaining kind of experience where somebody comes, and they're in your living room, and you interact with them, and they, they've been to your house. They've spent some time there, but it's my friends that get into the kitchen. Some people get into the living room. It's my friends who get into the kitchen. That's a whole different level. You might come to my house, and you might make it past the porch, past the living room, into the kitchen, but very few people go upstairs because that's, that's our personal space. You know who gets into the bedroom? 
my family, because that's, that's, my, that's, my, that's my personal space. So there's certain places where you can get, and there's certain places where you can't based on relationship. You can say you've been to my house, but maybe you've never gone far enough that you could say that you were able to dwell there. For some of you, Jesus has never made it up your stairs. You can say, oh, yeah, he, he lives in my heart, but it's very formal. You keep him in the living room. For some of you, you let him sit on the porch. <laughs> For some of you, he's, he's your friend. He, he's in your kitchen. But when it gets to the most intimate parts of your life, when it gets to the personal parts of who you are, there, there are parts of your life where you've never allowed him to dwell Jesus wants to be more than just present in your life. He wants to be completely at home. Jesus wants to be more than just present in your life. He wants to be completely at home. He wants to dwell. Does that make sense? Is he completely at home in your life? Like maybe, maybe there's a few questions that we can ask. Like, what do you wish Jesus didn't know about 2018? Like, because he knows everything, right? And what is it about 2018 that you just go, ah, I wish I could have just closed the door on that one. <laughs> I, I wish I'd, I didn't have to remember that. Maybe it comes with some shame or some regret or some disappointment. Maybe a more positive way to consider that is what do you want to change in 2019? Like maybe there were some parts of your home in your heart that you kept Jesus out of in 18. And I know it's just turning the page on the calendar, but it helps us with our mindset, your relationship with him. What would you like to be different in the year ahead? Here's, here's how we're going to pray in this next moment. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. But we're going to pray for Jesus to be completely at home in your heart. So I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment and to take inventory of your life. Is Jesus completely at home in your heart? Are there rooms where you've kept the door shut and told him to stay out? Are there parts of your life Maybe you're not so proud of, and you know it's a place where you haven't allowed him to dwell. Maybe this is a moment of change for you. Maybe this is a moment of repentance for you. But it's a moment where we stop and look at the year ahead and say, Jesus, I want this to be different in 2019. I want you to completely dwell in my heart. Let's, let's take this prayer one more step. What's, what's interesting about it is Paul wasn't praying this for himself. He was praying it for someone else. So there's a good chance that for some of you, there's somebody in your life that a part of your prayer is that Jesus would dwell in their heart. 
someone that you love and you care about and you know that right now it appears that they're not in right relationship with God. And one of the things that you prayed for is their salvation. Could be a spouse, it could be a child, it, it could be a parent, a family member, coworker, classmate, friend, neighbor. But there's somebody in your life that you are, and, and maybe the best word is just you're, you're burdened for them, that they would come to know the peace and the joy and the life and the forgiveness and the salvation that can only be found through Jesus. And you'd say, I want to pray that Christ would dwell in their hearts in 2019. If you've got somebody like that on your mind, would you just stand right where you are? We're, we're going to pray for those individuals today. I know that's a lot of us. There's somebody that means something to us that we're praying for their salvation today. Lord, like Paul, we, we pray this for people that we love. Lord, you know the individuals in our, in our world that we care for that are far from you. So Lord, today we make this our prayer that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. Lord, that you would bring forgiveness to some who maybe even feel like they can't be forgiven. Lord, that you would bring purpose and deliverance, freedom and peace to people that we love we pray for that child, and we pray for that parent, we pray for that spouse, we, we pray for that family member, for that neighbor, for that classmate, for that coworker, for that lifelong friend. But Holy Spirit, you would do a work in their life so that they could come to know what it means to have Christ dwell in them richly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated, and let's jump back in to this passage, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Thanks for, thanks for praying with us, Ephesians three seventeen. Paul has said, we're praying for the Holy Spirit's power. We're praying that Christ would dwell in us, and then he says this, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Interesting phrase that he starts out there with when he says being rooted and established in love. He pulls this from like different parts of the world. When he talks about being rooted, he pulls that from, from the imagery, an analogy from agriculture of the idea of a plant that has its roots that go down in the ground. And when the roots go down in the ground, it gives stability to that plant. It gives nourishment to that plant. And if you don't think it makes a difference, talk to those of us that still have a live Christmas tree at home, right? Because we haven't had a live Christmas tree at our house for over 20 years. And for some reason this year, we said, hey, we're going to get a live tree this year. And guess what? Now I remember what it's like. There's needles everywhere. Anybody else? Right? I'm going to have to carry this thing out, and I'll be stepping on things for the next six months remembering Christmas. Why? Because there's no roots on that thing anymore. It's not being nourished. It doesn't have the stability it once had. There's something powerful about what love does to us. It helps us to be rooted and it helps us to be established. That word isn't pulled from agriculture. Paul uses this word from the world of architecture. To be established has the idea of having a firm foundation, of being in a strong place, so that when you face shaking and difficult times, you will be stable because you are established. What he says here about being rooted and established is a big deal. He's saying this is something that will last. This is something that is deep 
and not shallow, and it comes from love. Love is both the fruit and foundation of the Christian life. The Bible says that if there is love in our hearts, then people will know that. That's the fruit that they'll see. And the Bible says that if we have a strong foundation, it comes from love. Love is both the fruit and the foundation of our Christian life. That's important to remember, especially if you are in a situation where you're having a hard time loving someone. (laughs) That God's love in us then works through us. So if you're frustrated with a family member or irritated by a coworker or wrestling with bitterness in your life because of past disappointment, this is where we remember that we find our foundation, we find our stability, we find our nourishment in love. Paul says love's so great that not only are we rooted and established in it, but he prays that we would, and look at this phrase that he uses, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He wants us to grasp this idea, and he uses these ideas of wide, long, high, deep. He's not saying get your tape measure out because <laughs> you can't measure it. What he's saying here is God's love is too big to be confined by measurement. God's love for you is too big to be confined by measurement. And when you pray for yourself and when you pray for someone else, that's really important to remember because we tend to draw, draw lines around how great God is or we tend to draw lines about how great his love is and we think that somehow someone else or ourselves are somehow outside of his love and we need to be reminded of how much he loves other people and of how much he loves us no matter where life's journey has taken us. There's a cat in Canada named Baloo, lives in Nova Scotia, and its owner was packing up, had some tire rims that she was sending back to some place somewhere in Canada, and when she did, she didn't realize that the cat crawled inside the box, went down inside underneath these tire rims, she sealed the box up, took it to the shipping place, and sent it away. 17 hours later, one of the people that worked for the shipping company picked up the box, and let's just say stuff was coming out from the bottom of it. They opened it up. Little Baloo was fine inside, but had taken a 700-mile trip in that box. Took a 10-day, 17-hour drive to get back to where it came from. But what it reminded me of is many of our lives. Sometimes we think we're, we're just living our life. We crawl inside the box that we think we've chosen. We find out that when we get on the other side of this thing, we end up where we never designed to be. We never thought life would go this way. And we start to think that maybe somehow we've gone so far away that we're outside of God's love. But God's love cannot be measured because it's so wide and deep and long and high. You can't confine God's love. It's too great. No one is ever outside of the reach of God's love. And when we wander, when we take crazy detours, when we interact with people who irritate or disappoint us or frustrate us, it's good for us to be reminded that no one is ever outside of the reach of God's love. So I'm not going to ask you to stand on this one, but I'll ask you to raise a hand. Any of you say, God, in 2019, I need help loving? Anybody? (laughs) Maybe there's a person or a situation, something that comes to mind. Maybe even yourself. You'd say, God, I need help loving. Father, we ask for that today. Lord, we pray that you would help us to love like you love. Lord, without limits, without confinement, without fear, because perfect love casts out fear. Lord, as we remember how you have loved us, 
would you help us to love others? In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what Paul's prayed. Paul's prayed that you would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit's power in your life. And then as a result, that you would know that Christ dwells in you. And then as a result of that, you would, you would understand his love, which he says you'll never be able to understand because it's beyond knowledge. But you'll know that love and how great and how deep it is. And then he says this. Here's why. Verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What, is, what does that mean? What it means is that God has something that he wants to fill your life with. He has a plan. He has direction. He wants to lead you. There's things that he wants to see happen in 2019. And so will you allow him to direct you and fill your life with everything that he has for you? Look, your life is going to be filled with something. Whether you're purposeful or not, there's something that you're going to do with this next year. Your time, if, if you're not careful, will fill itself. True? Like there's these times where you all of a sudden go, how, how, where did the day go? So there's times when we have to be purposeful and we have to say, how will I fill my days? How will I fill my life? How will you fill your heart? How will you fill 2019? Will you say, God, with your strength and with your purpose, God, with Christ dwelling in me and expressing your love, I want to be filled with everything that you have for me. What does God have for you in the year ahead? I want to pray that God will give to you everything that he has for you. So my question is, how many of you are saying, I need direction in 2019? We're going to pray for God's direction in 2019. And for some of us, we're looking at the year ahead, and we're making decisions about our health, and we're making decisions about our finances. We're making decisions about our jobs, about our families, about what we will buy or where we will live or how we will decide these things. And we're saying, God, would you direct us? For some of you, it's a season of transition. For others of you, it's incredible opportunity. And you're looking at 2019 and saying, God, I see what's out there. I just don't know what to do. The good news is God desires to fill you with his best for you, to give you all that he has. He'll strengthen you by his spirit. He has promised that he will dwell inside of you, that you will know his love, and then you'll have everything that he has for you in 2019. We just need to say, God, will you direct me? So I'm going to ask you, if you're in a place in your life right now where you would say, God, I need your direction in 2019, would you stand where you are? I'm standing with you, by the way. <laughs> Lord, would you, would you give direction? Would you give wisdom? Would you give insight? Lord, I need your direction. Father, we look to you, and we look to the year ahead. Lord, do you know that some of us stand today with this sense of anticipation inside of us? Because we can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Lord, others of us have a certain sense of anxiety because we're not so sure what's around the corner. But we know that you are a perfect heavenly father that we can come to with freedom and with confidence who has promised to strengthen us, to be with us, and to love us. So we ask for your direction in the year ahead. God, that you would help us to see 2019 as a year where you're going to fill us, where you're going to guide our steps, where you're going to provide for us, where you're going to restore things that have been lost, and you're going to bring healing to things that need healed, and you're going to give wisdom and insight, and you're going to give direction, and you're going to protect us, and you're going to lead us because we trust you, and we know that you're a God who has promised to fill us with your fullness 
And so, Lord, instead of us looking at this and trying to figure it out for ourselves, we release 2019 into your hands. And we say, God, we give this year to you. Would you give us direction for the year ahead? In Jesus' name, amen. You, you can be seated. Look, here's, here's, here's a real part of what I hope you've seen today. It's one thing to read this prayer and then close your Bible and go, oh, I read my Bible for today. It's another thing to open that up and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word. We spent these last few moments interacting with God's word. And you know how I know we're praying God's will? Because when you pray God's word, you pray God's will. And so as a result, we've interacted with his word. And it's spoken to us. And it's led us. And it's guided us. And watch what he says next. Verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Man, I like that verse, don't you? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. If you're asking God for something, like you're looking at your list and you're going, God, I need this from you. He's like, I can do that. In fact, I can do more than you can imagine. I have the ability and strength to do more than you can comprehend. So Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, you know all that power that's there in your city? God's more powerful. And he says to those of us in Toledo... (laughs) You know all those things that you're looking to to fill the empty places in your life? You know all the things you're looking to to meet your needs? I can do better than that. Whatever can be done anywhere else, God says, I can do immeasurably more. God is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine, and that's good news. That's why we ask him for strength. That's why we ask him to dwell in us. Here's the deal, though. He says, I can do more than you can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us according to his power that's at work within us. This verse does not say you sit on the couch and watch what God does. It says God will bring the power, but you have to be willing to do the work. You have to be a part of what he wants to do. As you look at 2019, here's maybe a little equation for your year. God's power plus our partnership equals immeasurably more. If you want to see God do immeasurably more, yes, we we let it be his power But when he says, I want my power to be at work through you, you have to say, buckle up, I'm ready. I'm ready to go, God. It's his power plus our partnership. That's when he does immeasurably more. So what are you looking for God to do? And then what is God waiting for you to do? Because there's times when God says, I'm more than willing to jump in and do immeasurably more. But you have to be willing to obey. You have to be willing to take a step of faith. You have to be willing to trust me. Like, I, I know that, and we, we kind of jumped through this for the sake of time, but, but one of the things we were going to pray about today was to pray for the church. Because I know that God has us in a place as a church where he's saying to us, I want to do immeasurably more, but you've got to be willing to take bold steps of faith. You've got to be willing to trust me. Because it's only when his power comes in line with our partnership But that's when God chooses to do immeasurably more in and through our lives. It's according to his power that is at work within us. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray for immeasurably more. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. Now, what we've done is a pretty, so far today, is a pretty Western concept of times when we we pray together. But we're going to mix it up just a little bit. I was talking with a friend of mine who's a missionary in West Africa. And I said, "When when you pray in the context where you live, 
How do you pray? What's different? He says, well, oftentimes when I'm in the States, when we pray, one person leads us in prayer, and then we all kind of listen, and we pray along in our heads. He says, where I, where I do ministry, when we pray, one person throws out the need, and then we all pray. Like, we all raise our voice. We're all praying at once, because we're bringing our voices together. We're praying together in that moment, and then, and then we, we all pray about that thing until whoever's leading that time of prayer transitions on to the next thing that we're going to pray about. So in these next few moments, we're going to pray, but when, when, when we pray here in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to ask you to pray for immeasurably more. You can pray it for the church. You can pray it for yourself. You can pray it for your family. You can pray whatever it is where you need to see God do immeasurably more in your life. We're going to pray for that, but don't just, don't just pray, can I like this? Thank you. Thank you. Don't just do that, because here's the deal. If you're praying out loud, you're worried, what if the person next to me is listening to me? But if you're praying out loud and they're praying out loud, then they can't hear you because they should be listening to God, not listening to you. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? So stand with me, if, if you would, in this moment. I don't want this to be weird, but can we just take this moment, and, and if you're comfortable, would you just begin to lift your voice even now? And whatever it is in your life, would you pray for immeasurably more? God, you know what's ahead in 2019. So I pray for immeasurably more for your church. God, that you would do things that we can't even begin to ask or imagine. Come on, folks, lift your voice. Just begin to pray. God, we pray for immeasurably more. Lord, we pray it for our families, and we pray it for our health. We pray it for our finances, and we pray it for our community. We pray that we would see immeasurably more people come to know Christ in 2019 than we ever have before. Lord, we pray that you would do incredible things. God, that as we trust you and are willing to take bold steps of faith, that you would lead us by your power, and we would see you do more than we can ask or imagine. So we put our confidence and we put our trust in you. Lord, help us to find strength from the Holy Spirit, to know that Christ is dwelling in us, that we would be rooted and established in love, that you would do everything that you want to do in our lives. Lord, we pray for immeasurably more in 2019, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's how Paul wraps it up. Why? Why do we pray all this? To him be glory in the church. Do you, do you know who the church is, by the way? It's us. He wants to be glorified in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Why do we, why do we pray all these things? Because God wants to be glorified in your life. And when he's glorified, that's when we're really living. So here's, here's how we're going to wrap this up. We're going to take just a few moments and we're going to sing kind of a classic song of the church. Maybe no better way for us to give God glory today than to sing the, the song, How Great Thou Art. And would you take these moments and would you give him glory today as we sing about who he is and what he's done? Maybe even before we begin to sing, would you just begin to praise him? God, we praise you today. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who loves us. You are the one who's God with us. Lord, you are the one who strengthens us. And we take these moments in your church and in Christ Jesus, we give you glory today. In Jesus' name, God, you're great today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the Thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. 
thy power throughout the universe display then sings my
how great, how great thou art. How great thou art. So then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great. Father, we thank you that out of a place of freedom and confidence, we can boldly come to you and know that your riches without limits can bring us strength by your Holy Spirit. Christ can dwell with us. We can know your love, experience all that you have for us in the year ahead. So, Lord, we trust you to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine as your power is at work within us. We're going to give you glory in Jesus' name. As we go from here, would you go with us? Father, send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. Happy New Year.